Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you are in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Hey listeners, it's Will here. Our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. If you've ever listened to our show, then you know that the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. So if you suspect technology is your weak link, then book a call with us to see where we can help maximize your company's IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. Today's guest is Kean Brennan. Kean is a founder of Quantum Contract Solutions. They help com- construction companies reduce risk on projects, help them with cash flow, and help them cut costs. Kean's core purpose is to help trade partners succeed by t- uh, helping them with structuring their contracts to better position themselves for long-term growth. They've won a Business News 40 Under 40 last year, 2022, state winner of the Best in Business and Innovation and Outstanding Growth in 21, finalist in Business News Entrepreneur and Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards in 21 and 22, and podcast host of Construction Secrets, which is one of the top 15% of all podcasts globally as of December. With all that said, Kian, welcome to the show. Hi, Justin. How's it going? Good, good, good. Did I get that all right? I'm a very good reader, is what they tell me, except that no one's ever told me that. But I plan to be a writer, so you know, I don't need to read. That's what I think. No, spot on, spot on. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so uh, I gave the quick and, and dirty introduction here, but you tell us about you. Tell us your origin story. Tell us how you got in construction space. Tell us uh, about quantum. Tell us the whole thing. Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, I'm from West of Ireland, a place called Galway, and my grandfather, when when he died, the newspaper article a long time ago. So the newspaper article said the man who built Galway, and so he was a he was a general contractor. There's actually where his construction site was back then. There's now a building there called Brennan's Yard. Okay, so it's uh, and and it's a restaurant, and so bit a bit of heritage in in the building um, space. But the advice that was given to me by uh, by my family was, don't become a general contractor. Don't don't go that way. <laughs> don't do it. It's hard. And so go go in and go. You want to go client side. You want to go work for the principal. You want to work for the owners. And so went to university. Went did all of that side of it from a construction point of view. And so over the years, I ended up working for, you know, a lot of oil and gas uh, companies, uh, Chevron, Shell, uh, all in construction. So construction related activity to all of the stuff that they're doing. So I ended up going to um, Australia, went to the Middle East and worked in Iraq for a little bit, in Saudi, in Qatar, and obviously in in, in, in Australia as well. is a place called the Pilbara, which is almost the same like it's, it's all you know oil and gas sort of territory and what i was seeing all of the time was contractors going out of business left right and center right just losing money and 
unfairly so in a lot of times but also there's an element of of i guess they don't they just don't know how to do it right okay so a lot of these guys will concentrate only on the construction and not on the contractual side of things so they'll end up signing a terrible contract that's not in their favor at all and then from a cash flow perspective they end up getting hammered because they're the submissions that they're 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 submitting right from a payment claims or change orders or extension of time are just just pre- pretty bad or not compliant or or late or whatever happens to be and it gets rejected and so what i guess they never realized was that internally in those in those organizations even if, like a big if you're a subcontractor going into a big general contractors um, that's like where we kind of specialize is the person that you're dealing with essentially has to turn around and present what you've given him internally and if you've given him something that's pretty bad he's probably just going to reject it right and so it ended up being and i felt it was being me doing the rejecting and it was me essentially putting people out of business and like you wouldn't believe the amount of these smaller companies that go out of business family-run businesses that have grown and become big companies right and they just you know and i, and I felt to my I, you know i thought to myself look my granddad's not going to be happy with me doing this right but the the beauty was i know how these bigger organizations worked right so i ended up becoming a, a director of like a, a contract management uh company and uh not not quantum and it was working with all of these different you know bigger companies that you see the insides of their systems and how it works and how to navigate them and so um i thought to myself if i can create a service where i can make it you know using technology i can make it more cost efficient better you know easier access for the smaller uh, subcontractors say i know the insides of all of these bigger companies i can show them how to submit documents in the right way negotiate the right things in the right way to ultimately get them their biggest success if that makes sense that was 2019 that's how quantum was was born from then it's, it's it's really it's it's really taken off it's gone from strength to to strength and we're basically across the world now which is which is which is fantastic but we we focus on really helping smaller general contractors or subcontractors on bigger projects right so typically around you know 5 5 million plus in revenue up to you know 100 200 million depending and it's about helping them sign a better contract and we look at signing the contracts not we don't we're not trying to negotiate for the sake of negotiating changing words like i'd say like lawyers often do you know we we got lawyers on our team but we we're not a law firm but it's about changing things for the sake of having a commercial impact so if you can increase your cash flow if you can reduce risk if you can set yourself up that's going to be easier for you to comply with the contract in the post award phase that's what we're concerned about then in post award phase it's all of that paperwork and and getting the contractual stuff in and then it's the dispute strategies so um we know from all of our data that if you get into dispute it is essentially the person you it's, it's a race to see who le- loses the least amount of money so we 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 obviously we help people with disputes but we hate that we want to be in a position where it's we help people um avoid disputes and that's where we put all of our energy in because that's where you'll save most of the money does that make sense got it 
No, it makes tons of sense. These so, are the, so these are the levers. What you're talking about is the negotiating levers of uh, sort of the mechanics of how an agreement would work, not so much about the legalese. That is that a good way of putting that, it? That, that's it exactly. So, you know, you need to be construction people to understand how something's going to play out in on a construction program, and and that's the difference, really. And that's that's how we 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 differ from, say, a lawyer. If that makes sense. Why don't, why don't you actually talk talk about that for a second? The difference between, mm-hmm. so you're working on these contracts. How is that different from legal? Yeah. So there's so there's a whole industry that works on contracts. You got contracts engineers. You got contracts experts, uh, contracts administrators, contract managers. So on on a construction projects, the biggest and best company have teams of armies of construction people, right? And they have it for a reason. It's 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 commercial. The reason that they so say for a, a, a Turner, for example, they're going to have huge contracts teams because they understand, right? And this is where a lot of uh, and maybe you're you're helping your clients as well. A lot of construction companies are of the impression that if I just do a great job on site, right, everything will just it'll be fine. But that's just not how it works in real life. You need to be able to do a great job on site. It's a given almost. And then the hard bit is making sure that you're going to get paid for it, making sure that you're going to get paid for all of the additional work that you've done, making sure that you're capturing all of the delays that happen and making sure that you've structured your agreement in such a way that you're going to do really well. So lawyer's not going to do any of that, right? A lawyer is really good. And don't get me wrong, I, I, it's it's not me, us against lawyers. Lawyers will get you out of a problem that you're in, Right. And oftentimes you, in most countries and, and it's all, it's always different. So, you know, Australia, uh, sorry, in the US, 50 different states, 50 different laws. In Australia, it's five and five different laws. In Ireland and UK, it's all, it's all different, but it all comes back to a little bit of basics where you've got, you've got the act, right? Or uh, which basically is the law and below the law is your, your contract. So your contract is your agreement. But if there's something in your contract that is not right, then the act takes precedence. And that's it's that sort of stuff is where the lawyer comes in and he'll help you get out of a problem. We we want to make sure the problem doesn't happen. And so success for us looks like silence. You're right. You negotiate a good contract. Your, your change orders get approved. Your EOTs get approved. You get paid. You don't have a dispute. That's success, which incidentally is a bit of a problem for our business because... <laughs> From a business point of view, if I if I'm bringing you in revenue, right, that looks great, right? I've just brought you in two million dollar job, three million dollar job, whatever. Like you can feel that benefit, but it's it's oftentimes hard to feel the benefit of silence of something not happening. Like an insurance policy. We know that. We know that to the T. That's I mean, for us when we we're building out infrastructure or cybersecurity, whatever we're doing, and everything is just running. That's the time where we're. It's like, what are you doing? What are you, What are you here for? Kind of a what, thing. And it's like, well, that's what, what you want. For? You want. You mm-hmm. want it to be smooth. You want it to, you know, a contract to just kind of work the way that you you wrote it up, right? So that makes yeah. that makes tons of sense. And uh, interesting enough too. We're we're certainly not on the legal side, but uh, if a dispute happens, just based on uh, you know how we how we have documents in different places where our clients. We can certainly pull that stuff for like e-discovery to save money there and then also try to 
before a dispute, before an actual litigation actually happens, it's a thing that we can also help with because it's like, well, look, here's here's the confirmation of like this change order, or this something to happen, or something not to. So, um, very similar. I didn't I didn't realize that similarity to us until right now. So uh, that's wow, cool. just more, I, I, more synergy. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things, if well, for you guys maybe to think about as well, it's definitely because we've had to then show our clients an ROI. Like, how does it work? Mm-hmm. And so we we go, hey, how when you how, why don't you give us one of your old contracts that you've already signed, right? As part of uh as part of our onboarding. And we use that as a base document. And we say then we have a quarterly meeting and we say, hey, you know, here's where you were, here's where all the risks were, and then here's your latest one, which has none of those risks, right? Isn't that great? And they're like, Yeah, that's great, cool. And you're like, okay, awesome. <laughs> so you you kind of almost have to force the uh the show, you have to show them and put the effort into showing them that stuff has happened um otherwise it just looks like silence for sure uh before we dive into more contract questions because there's a there's a whole bunch um let's talk about quantum a little bit uh, so you said you started in 2019 you've grown rapidly you've, you're at a global presence at this point so h- how did that happen how did you scale you know but called building scale so we want to know well, how, how did the scalability happen what, what happened well it was Repeating successful actions. So what was working, doing more of what was working. Um, and we scaled and systemized our sales team. That would probably be the key point in, in, in our scale. So we obviously able to deliver from anywhere because we have people all around the world, but then obviously market via all the various different social media channels and so it was scaling what was working and then having the sales team trained in such a way that they could deliver you know uh, a, a proper sales process to grow over over those countries those countries so it was it was trying to make a simple like you know it's trying to make something that's uh sounds simple stay simple um that was the biggest the biggest challenge the whole way through because with, with 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 scale even if you're doing something simple at scale, scale brings complexity. And so that's that was one of the the, the challenges and, and still is a challenge is to continue to make, make things simpler and simpler and simpler. So is that the first did that the first hires that you made? Were you the one saying, like, I understand contracts in this space, I can help there, but I just need people to get in front of was that is that the first hire or is that the first few hires it was more of a you know business development i uh, honestly believe that it is hiring to your weakness and so just i'll, I'll be as candid as possible so please do please do. yeah so it started out so you you've got you've got basically you got your audience you've got your leads you got your sales you got your delivery um, and then the operations to keep it all together, right? That's how I look at it. And so from a delivery perspective, it was, okay, so I'm providing all of this advice and people are jumping on one-on-one with me. That's kind of really how it started. But then there was a lot of back work behind that. And so that was tough to do all of that back work and try and do the marketing and the sales. So first person I, I hired was someone to help me with all of that rote tasks, those, those, that type of stuff. So that would free me up from that. So that bought me back some time. And then the marketing, again, there's a lot of rote tasks that happen on, in, on the marketing side of it. Okay. So, so again, that was the next hire and they, they're relatively cheap hires. 
um, cheap's not the word, but like good value hires. And they they created time for me to be able to now now I can concentrate on sales. Right. So now the marketing is is going in, we're bringing in some leads. Now I can do sales as well as delivery. And then so, okay, so what am I liking more? What like what am I better at more? And so whatever I was enjoying more or better at more, I would retain that and then hire the bit that I wasn't enjoying as much. And that's that's how I that's how I did my process. That is okay. For anyone that's in the industry in construction. Right. I, I feel like a lot of them are self-starters, like about half half the people that we talk to, they start their companies, right? They're breaking off and they're going to go start on their own. They don't think about it the way that you do. They think I can do all these things, whether I like it or not, I can do all these things. Right. And so, but what you did is you were looking for more time, right? You were there was, there was a conscious effort to look for more time, which is really different in terms of thinking comparison to a lot of the other companies that are struggling with scale is that you were, you, you were making a conscious effort every time that you got, uh, you, you took away the things that you didn't like to do and obviously attacked the things that kind of took the most time and delegated that to someone else. So you had to trust someone or you had to build that trust with someone to be able to kind of delegated delegated down and then you were able to do more with your time wherever your sort of circle of genius is right and so when you were making those decisions around time were you gaining back take us through your process around maybe if you can remember some of the early days of well how much time does it take like take me through your process of how you figured out i need to work i need to attack this first yeah, so it's what well, my my concept on that is 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 buying when you're hiring someone you're buying back time, right? And uh, and I don't necessarily subscribe to the well I don't want to subscribe to the four hour work week, candidly, right? It's not like something I want to do, right? So I wasn't buying back time to do less. I was buying back time to do more, but in a in a in a more high leverage activity. That makes sense. Uh, so that was that was always, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, I, I need to continue building the audience. I need to continue getting more leads. I need to continue making sales to grow the business. So I feel like that is the highest leverage activity for me at the moment, um, while I can still deliver, right? And so, how can I do that? How can I like? It's just it's a how question. How am I going to get the time to get there? And so oftentimes, well, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't spend time doing this. I can't do the bookkeeping. I can't be doing invoices. I can't be doing this. So let's, let's get that all sorted. Let's get that all sorted. So I don't have to do it. I can't like just I, honestly, I, I would genuinely say that it was just like, I don't also don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> and so it's just, yeah. Okay. Well, now that I can afford to, it's like investing back into the company in the right areas. And that's kind of was my process. Yeah, that was my process. I hope people were listening because believe it or not, I find that actually quite genius on its own is your process. It's it's a very simple process, but I don't think, I think the people that want to scale, right? They don't necessarily think about it this way is buying back time, which is super cool. I think that's an excellent way to really think about it because time equals money in a way, right? Uh, and so by buying back that time, and, and I love the word that you use, which is leverage, the multiplier, you're multiplying out where you're able to speed up, where you're able to be faster, where you're able to do more 
because you're doing things in your sort of circle of genius. They're and the people that you delegate to. They should be faster in whatever you weren't doing before or weren't doing, doing as fast before, right? In eventuality, probably didn't happen all the time. All right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't. Definitely didn't. So you, you're, I mean, you're working globally at global clients. What, or I guess maybe have you seen similarities that you found? Like these are the most successful construction businesses. These are the things that I see every time, no matter where they're located in the world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we've done over two two 2,600 at this stage contract reviews and negotiations and thousands of uh, extensions of time and disputes and all of that. And so we we do have the data, which is great. And so uh, I did dig into it there recently. And what I found was actually, well, a little bit surprising. Uh, I guess not when we think about it, uh, when we die down. But it, it so the, the most successful construction companies, the ones that had been around the longest and were the largest, right? And it actually, it, they actually, they, they do correlate to the, the ones that are around the longer, have been around the longest are the largest. That's a correlation. Okay, obviously, mm -hmm. I guess it makes yep. sense, right? But people need to think that way, being around for a long period of time, right? Compounding growth. And so the two things that we noticed was, uh, one was construction companies that do one thing, right? S uh, steel fab, scaffolding, civil companies, they just do they just do one thing, right? And have avoided the the temptation to be a jack of all trades. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a like a whole, I'm a roofing company because I was a roofing company. I, I kind of got into the market and I decided to do a bit of home building and a bit of investing over here. And now we do we do roofing and we also do a little bit of other stuff here and blah blah blah. You know, so it's the guys who just go. No, we just do cranes. We just do one thing, right? Those guys do really well. And let, maybe we can talk about why in a second. And the other one is is family-owned businesses. Now, we're not talking about, you know, a mom-and-pop shop, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about family-owned businesses, uh, 50 million, 100 million, 200 million companies, mm -hmm. right? Just big, big organizations. And it seems to be those guys, right? Their name is in is in the their, – their brand is almost in the, the title of, of their company. And so – what I think it is, right, and maybe we can spitball if you if you you guys want to, is that the 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 single focus of doing one thing means that they get exceptionally good at doing one thing, and they just get better and better and better at delivering that one thing over and over again. So their reputation gets better. They get everyone knows that they're really good. They can charge a lot of money because people know that they're the best, right? So their brand gets better. Um, so that's the the front end of the 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 family owned company or mainly family-owned company, um, I believe the reason that they do so well is because they have a longer-term view. And so to them, risk is more important than a, high, a higher margin on a profit. So they will turn projects down because they, their, their horizon is 5, 10, 15, 20 years, maybe passing it down to my son or maybe giving away. So I don't want to take on a risky project for no reason. Whereas the mindset of a lot of other companies is, oh, I, I need a, it's a risky contract, but it might be make or break me and I might get it and it'd be amazing. And I, I know I've had to sign a bad contract here. 
And so when you have that longer term perspective, as in like, I'm going to have to hand it down to my son or or whoever, then you start thinking about risk. You start thinking, no, that's that's not I don't want that. And I, Warren Buffett talks about this all the time. It's he doesn't he thinks about the downside. It's not necessarily the upside. It's about I don't want to take a risky investment. It's about something that I know about that will work, that is it is low risk and will give me a reasonable return, not like a stupid return. And that is, in my mind, how those companies do so well. That To me, that makes sense, especially on the niche side, right? Like niching down it re- makes me think about, so I, I'm on my, on my war path of purpose. I feel like everybody needs a core purpose and have a purpose. But the beauty of having a purpose is one thing, right? It is doing that one thing extraordinarily well because humans... We, we part of our like DNA, it's like to retain energy, right? Like we, we want to retain energy. We just talked we're, before we, we started recording, we talked about atomic habits. You have to make it easy. If you don't make it easy, you just won't do it because that's just how we are built, right? So the idea of doing like, if I'm going to do one thing, I'm going to do that one thing world-class, I'm going to do that one thing amazing, it's way easier because I'm conserving energy from like the other 12 things I could be doing as well, mm-hmm. but I would never actually get to the point of, uh, you know, world class on any of them. Then I'm, I'm diluting my energy across twelve things in comparison to doing that one thing to the the top of my ability. Hundred percent. Yeah. The other thing around uh, what you said is you know family owned, right? And a lot of the big names, right? Harper Turner, like they're they're definitely around the, the family ownership. I find that actually super interesting. They had to get past the point of strife in the family right i've been there i know what that looks like uh and i know there's a lot of partner family partnerships if you will where it doesn't work so well why does it work Mm. so well in those families versus the ones that it doesn't work so well with right and i know there's plenty of plenty of them that it doesn't work so well you've seen well i i i it's just what Justin was talking about there as well with core values and culture and, you know, th- those companies that will do well, I'm sure. And I have to say I am speculating because I don't know for sure. Right. But I, <laughs> but I'm sure. <laughs> um, I am sure, but I'm speculating. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is, they are like, here's, here is how we do things. This is how our family do things. And we don't do X, Y, and Z. And we do X, Y, and Z. And then when they have all of those type of things in place, and these are the type of contracts we do, and they have all of those things set out very clearly. And I think that they would have it because if the, if you're going to transfer ownership to a, to a, to, to a sibling or to, to a, a son or a daughter or whoever it is going to be, you are going to uh, okay document. Well, here's how we do these things as a mm-hmm. as a family or as a, as a company. Here's how we do. And I reckon that's the reason that you have the successful family families, and then you you have the ones that are not successful. Super interesting. I love the I love the perspective on there. So speaking of not so uh, successful, you had shared with us before recording a not so fun fact. Um, approximately 26% of all bankruptcies, so all bankruptcies of all businesses, 26% of them are from the construction industry. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the hell? Can you explain that? <laughs> yeah, and uh, this last quarter um, has been the worst since 2008 as well. 
Oh. And so it, there's there's lots of stuff going on, um, but I won't talk about the the micro what went on last year. I, I mean, it's it's pretty clear, right? So you know, prices went up, can't can't get people. Um, then you you have a project, can't deliver the project, bang, right? That's yep. essentially it, right? Yep. So, but generally the reason and is that there's the contractual hierarchy. So you got you got you know you got the maybe the government or you got someone on the very top, right? Who a developer or someone's going to build the thing, right? Then you've got a tier one, right? So someone like a Turner or someone like that, a big construction company. Now, um, then you've got below them, you've got all this, you know, you, it depends, it, the names always change, but you got a tier two who's like a subcontractor at trade, right? So they're, mm-hmm. they, so Turner doesn't actually do anything, right? More often than not, they are, <laughs> uh, they sub it all out. And so they make money by it kind of almost arbitrage, right? Is that they'll get a loan to fund a project, they'll win the project, and they'll get paid by the clients, and their 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 profit is the delta between the two, essentially. And they'll subcontract out all the work. Okay. So, you know, they're concentrating on making a profit. That's their goal. Where the the, the client at the top, the principal, his goal is to build a thing, right? So it's different, right? So when you're working directly for the principal, it's much better because their focus is I want the thing built, not so much I want to make money, whereas mm-hmm. the tier ones, I want to make money, right? So what ends up happening is the, let's just let's just say the government wants to build a bridge, okay? So the government's the top of the food chain. They, they, they give it to a tier one. They've got a contract between the lawyers on both sides. That contract is okay, right? It's not aggressive, mm-hmm. it's okay. Where it gets tricky is the contract between the tier one and the tier two. Okay, I'm using tier ones and two tiers because there's so many different ways to say main contractor, general contractor, subcontractors, trades, you know, so, yep. so two, tier one and tier two. But the problem is in that contractual arrangement, that contract down the way is so aggressive. The, the contract that has been pushed onto the trades, the subcontractors is the most hostile in the whole chain. Okay, and the problem is that those guys typically don't have the armies of contracts, peoples and lawyers and whatever in their business to understand what they're signing. And so they sign up more, more often than not. They either believe that I can't sign it. I, I can't, like if I try to negotiate, they're just going to give the work to somebody else or they believe, or they just sign it. Right? I'll just sign that. Let's go. We're good to go. Like, like we take, you know, on Facebook terms and conditions and everything, all of a sudden we have all our data is everywhere. Right? Check the box. Uh, Just check the know. box and say yes. <laughs> so um, they're like, or or they don't have the they don't have the expertise, or they don't have the time to be able to go through these hundred page documents, right? So that's so they sign up to it, and then the, the something happens on a project, and then they go out of business. That's mm. that's the story essentially and it happens time and time and time again um, and there's a lot of things like it's the it's the perspective where these construction companies think to themselves oh look i'll just do a great job and the contract stuff will fall with me as long as i do it i can tell you a story if you want to um yes so, yeah, yeah please so, yes please i was on a project in 2011 right huge um like a massive major project so big that they had two electrical contractors on two different parts of the site. Okay, uh, doing the same scope, right? Uh, but just two different parts because they, they they're too big for one company to do the whole thing. 
Okay, so doing the same thing, they were digging trenches, they were pulling cable, they were just getting it all, you know, getting the whole site ready for, you know, construction from an electrical point of view. And so one company was an established company. They they were known as being contractually savvy and good at what they did. And the other company was uh, it was their first major project. And they said to themselves, right, we're just going to do an amazing job. That's it. Right. That's that was their concentration. And I guess, you know, uh, it's a, it, it's a bit rhetorical, but who do you think did better? Right. So the the established company that was contractually service made a killing. They did really well. And even to this day, they're no longer an electrical contractor. They're a tier one. Now they've grown and grown and grown. They're huge. Right. So their company did an amazing job. So much got a great reputation on site, given all of the work, right? So any additional scope went to these guys, went to these guys. They did it, they did it, they did it, right? They almost went under, hmm. right? And the reason is because they didn't get any of those changes approved. They didn't get the money into the bank account. They didn't get the cash flow, right? And then when it came to the end of the project, all of the stuff happens in the last quarter of the project. When it came to the end of the project, a new team came in, relationships went, sorry, you didn't comply with the contract, therefore we're not paying you for this, we're not paying you for this. Because they'll be given all this additional work, their original scope looks like they're late, right? So now you're late, so now we're going to hit you with liquidated damages. That's what happened to them. Oh, oh, man. man, that is a rough lesson. It's a rough lesson. And so just if there's what if some of your listeners, there's one key thing to take away is that the, the money is in the, the, the returns are in the terms. Right. I love that phrase. Right? Say, say, that, that, say that again. Yeah. Say that again. All right. So the returns are in the terms. OK, so that's where the, your money is made. And so much so. And you guys will notice and anyone in, who is actually in construction will notice, too, that some companies and i would say like a tier tier one type of turner would would do this too right they will win a project at a loss knowing that they're contractually good enough to make their profit up in post award right wow that happens wow 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 man there you go so if you can figure out how to do that yourself you understand if you're commercially savvy enough to know that oh look half the construction is building the other half is actually the contracts and commercial side of it then that's how you're going to grow as a construction company doing a, a lot better oh boy i i hope people were listening because that was that was a gold nugget right there that was a big gold nugget so thank you for that hey everybody justin here thank you so much for listening to this episode as you know, Will and I are business nerds and love talking to leaders who've scaled their businesses using people, process, and technology. If that's something that gets you all jazzed up too, then do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the little bell so you get notified every time we drop a sweet new episode. And if you know somebody who'd be an awesome guest on the show, send them our way. Just go to buildingscale.net slash guest. Now back to the episode. Here there, you gotta you gotta tell it. What what are give us some terms here that we nobody no trade should accept. No tier two trade should accept. What are some of these terms that are just like surprise? You get screwed. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so um, let's 
pick a few. It's a, it, it is in the, like the the devil is a little bit in the detail where it's the nuance of the thing, right? So people mm-hmm. might think one thing means another thing, but it doesn't, right? So a couple of th- the, the three main ones I would look at are the termination clause, right? Okay. So in the termination clause, a lot of times you'll go into the contract and the, the termination clauses will say all of the reasons how they can terminate you, right? Termination for convenience, for default, whatever it happens to be. Basically, they and and these terms always change of the, 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 what they're called. But basically, we want to be able to get rid of you for our own convenience. And then we want to be able to get rid of you if you don't comply with the contract. But a lot of times it says no way of how you can get rid of them. Mm. And so what that actually means in real life is if, if they don't pay you for whatever reason, and you look at your termination clause and you don't... You mightn't be able to get out of the contract. You might have to just take that on the chin and wait till next month. But what's actually happening in that scenario is maybe they're going insolvent. And you still have to potentially keep going without getting paid. And you're like, "Mm, am I going to get paid the next month? And all of a sudden, you're taking that cash flow hit. So you want an escape. You want to be able to know very clearly that if, if, if they don't pay me, I can just go, bang, I'm out. Right, because you, you want to be able to. That's you want to cut your losses straight away, uh, mm-hmm. and get out get out of the project. Because companies are going insolvent at the moment, as we talked about, bigger bigger companies, yeah. um, with like in, inflation and all, all all of that sort of stuff kicking in. So you want to be able to get out. That's one thing. The other one is consequential damages, consequential loss. Okay, so let me explain. So most people will know what liquidated damages are. Okay, so let me explain the difference between the two. So consequent. So imagine you're building a hotel. So liquidated damages, and, and sorry, you're building a hotel and you're late, and it's definitely your fault, right? You agree it's your fault. They agree it's your fault. You were late, right? Um, so you're building a hotel. You're late. Liquidated damages are to compensate your client for the delay and the cost of the delay, because because you were late, loads of other people are late, and blah blah blah. All things are late, and so it's compensating the construction cost of the delay consequential damage or consequential loss and again these t- terms change is compensating the your client for their loss of not being able to rent out the hotel rooms okay so loss of profit now if you're dealing with a turner or a big company for example their loss of profit is the end of your company potentially mm. because loss of profit is a lot of money right and if it's mm-hmm. uncapped it's a lot of money um, so they're 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 two very big ones. Um, then there's a, like there's a few little ones from a cash flow perspective that are quite useful. Um, so a lot of times you are asked to you have to submit a notice of delay or a notice of a change order within two or three days um, of of experiencing that you've been told to do additional work or you've been you've been delayed. And so that the purpose of that is to uh, uh, what used to happen back in the day was a construction project would go on. And in, in the last couple of months, everyone would sm- submit their changes and the delay. And then if you're from a client's perspective, you're thinking that it's all just going lovely. And at the end, bang, right, it's delayed and all the costs. So they want you to tell them about changes and delays as it happens. And that's that's reasonable. Right. Now, mm-hmm. that's turned into a bit of a stick where they don't pay you because you haven't submitted a notice. But never mind. But it's fair for you to ask for an assessment period of the change orders and extensions of time. So if you can get an assessment period in your contract of, say, two weeks or 10 days or whatever is appropriate given your duration, then 
you submit your change or then they have to approve it within that period of time, which is reasonable. And you can get that across the line. And essentially, that then means that it's going to be approved quicker. You're going to get your cash flow. Uh, it's going to be much, much better. Whereas loads of your listeners, I'm sure, will be like, hmm, I've submitted this change order and it's gone into the ether, right? Yeah. I've probably done the work because I'm great at what I do, even though I shouldn't have done, but I've probably done the work. And then this change order has gone into the ether. Where is it? And then you've basically financed the work for them, right? Yeah. And yeah. then eventually they might agree to it. But then the longer it goes on, the more leverage you lose. And, you know, then they push back. Oh, I don't agree on this cost. I don't agree on this cost. And then they start pushing back down the line. And then you're over a barrel because you need the money. And so you agree to a reduced settlement. Oof. Those That's are three like... great. Oh, my God. Those are. I Obviously, I don't get in the nitty gritty of contracts as you do, but. I feel like I want to now. I feel I, I feel like I want to nerd out on contracts. I need to I need to talk to one of our clients to give us a contract so we can just look. I just want to look through one just to say oh, these are these are horrible terms and everybody knows the returns are in the terms. This is obnoxious. <laughs> can I get Can I give you one really useful tip? Oh yeah. So when you're bidding and when you're bidding on a project. And as you know, you're, you're, you're submit, you've been asked to submit it in a specific way. And that's typically how it happens. A lot of times there's an option to submit an alternative bid. Um, you know, I, I'm going to do it a slightly different way. And it's going to be cheaper and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you have that option. And, and even if you don't, I still think it's worth just doing, right? And you can just submit an alternative bid that says, okay, this is an alternative bid. We're gonna, still going to construct, do the work. The same. This is nothing to do with doing the work differently, right? This is structuring the deal differently we're going to do the work the exact same way however we're asking for an xyz amount up front right the reason we're asking for that is because you know you can you can mention covid or whatever you can or whatever you can say materials are hard to get but we can secure materials we can secure people and that's the most important thing for getting the work completed right now and uh, if we get that upfront payment, then we're going to be able to do that. We're going to be able to produce the work. And in exchange for that, we'll give you a 5% discount on the total contract price. And so, uh, and so so by doing that, you need to have a couple of things in place, right? One is, so one, you're going to get that upfront payment. Cash flow is going to be way better, right? Obviously, for your whole project. And that's mm-hmm. going to make things make things way better, make, make less stressful, but the other thing is, if you remember what we talked about before, if you're confident that you can make up the, your your margin in the post award phase, then it's a win win scenario, and that's what you want to do, uh, in my opinion. Because if you're a client, I think right now the uh, clients are more worried about the work not being done than getting lowest price, right? Because because of the market. So yeah. if they're looking at you and you say, "Hey, look, I'm actually going to give you a, a little bit of a discount in price." But the reason is because I want this upfront payment, which is going to allow me to do the work much better because of all of these issues that we have in the market. I think it's a win-win at the moment. Like, I think that's something that you could negotiate if you were a good negotiator. I hope people were listening there too, taking notes. Rewind that episode and go, go listen to that again, because that was, that was gold. These are the levers that can be sort of pushed and pulled, right? that no one really tells you about yet they happen all the time in the industry yeah. right and 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 the ones that have been around the longest kind of know and so if you're newer to the industry how are you going to build that scale if you don't know well you heard it here folks that's so, it and there's loads of other stuff there's payment terms there's warranty periods all of those things matter 
in how you structure them, right? So, and there's like a, another example, payment terms is you might think it's 30 days, but if you actually read the clause, it is, well, you submit your payment application and then we'll review it for for, t- for t- like two weeks and then, then we'll approve it. And then it's end of month. So if you're on month, uh, it's 30 days end of month. So if you're at the end of month, so if you're at like the 7th of February, you got to wait until the end of February, then it's 30 days. Right. So there's loads of those little things where you can get you can get um, accidentally, you know, you don't realize what you're signing up for. Yeah. No, I mean, that's in it. Do you find that the hardest part for your clients is is the confidence in negotiating with the tier one? Is that would you say yeah. that that's like the hardest thing that they they, yeah. they just need a confidence boost? Yeah. they need. So I, I, I'm, I remember I told you at the start, I was on the other side. Right. Yep. And so I would categorically tell you that if there's five people bidding for a job for the the contract that's issued is the worst possible contract known to man right it is the worst (laughs) one that we have right that's that's what's issued now there's 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 backup clauses for everything everything has like option two option three option four right this is the game and so typically if you go to five people four four people will try and negotiate the contract Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're the one guy who doesn't, you don't look easier to deal with. It's a red flag that you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because you don't know the game. And, and and think to yourself, look at the biggest player in your trade. Right. And think, does that guy not negotiate his contracts? Right. He does. Absolutely. That's a good mindset exercise think about the biggest trade in your in your space or the biggest company in your trade and then do you think they negotiate like yeah of course they do but there's there's a reason they're that big so that makes sense um i'm actually reading i never split the difference by chris boss right now so negotiation is very much in my mind at the moment so i'm 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 loving this interview right now (laughs) it's good it's a good book that one too i read it (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i want to switch gears for a second because people process, we definitely talked a whole bunch about people, talked a whole bunch about process. What about technology? How do you guys lever- leverage technology in your business to your success, to your scale? In, in all honesty, I would say that what we're doing is not rockets. It's not like crazy, you know, good technology. It was just a bit ahead of its time for the construction industry. And that's all. So we're just a little bit, I feel like we're maintaining this uh, trajectory that we're six months a year ahead of, of everyone else. And I think that started when, you know, I was very into uh, masterminds and business, business stuff and uh, like trying to work that out. And then the way that they were delivered, that program, they were all online. And, you know, if I wanted to, because I was at the time, I think I was in the Middle East um, when I, you know, and you know, you, you want to get like, candidly, like most of the, the expertise is in the US, right? So you, you got to be able to ha- access that information somehow. So it, the way that all of that was delivered, I was like, hmm, like, I don't see why I couldn't use all of this stuff and deliver that to for construction clients. I don't see why I couldn't use Zoom and Slack and um like use a software like process trees and, and another software like help Skies is what we use uh, i don't see why we couldn't record loom videos 
to review documents rather than giving people like 10 page documents that they have to read right so if you imagine that process is you know i'm going to review a contract for you and then you're going to have to review my review right so instead why don't you just sit down and watch a five minute video of me walking you through the whole thing right it's just a way better process so uh, again i don't think we are rocket scientists we're just you know just a bit smoother as an online i mean i think we had to be because there was no other company in that space doing similar sort of thing all right you know you did also say something about your metric uh you mentioned you are leveraging a very very new technology one that's been all over the news and all over the internet uh do you want to talk a little bit about that and why you're using it Yes, so ChatGBT, uh, OpenAI, um, obviously it's it's definitely going to change the world. But uh, we just, I just got it as soon as I was like, okay, first up, everyone gets subscribed to this, right? Everyone and the whole company gets subscribed, start playing with it, see how you can use it, see how you can make your life better. Um, and so people are using it individually to help them with whatever little task that they're doing in a little specific area. Uh, but one of the things that we we're using it really from is, you know, there's sometimes things can be dry and sometimes things can be repetitive. And if you're like, you know, say you, you've you sent in a document for us to review or uh, an EOT and the, the response was like, hey, that's received or, you know, your your response has been received. Right. Instead yeah. of that, we like we change them up every time. So it's a bit like. It's 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 personalized every single time. Person gets it's, it's sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's whatever, and then it's it's different every time. So the experience of dealing with us is like a little bit bit nicer, you know. Um, and so in our emails, we'll do the same, um, just to make things constantly seem more personalized to the person. And to do that, um, I guess at scale and do it quickly. And then I think um, we, before we chatted as well, we used Dali recently. Okay, um, so just so hold yeah. on, L let me explain what Dali is real quick. So for those of you that don't know what Dali is, it's D A L L dash E. Okay, and I don't remember what the acronym is, but essentially it uses AI to create images based on something that you tell it to do. So. If you told it to create a, a person, a chicken crossing the road, it would literally cr and and do it in a cartoon format. It would literally create an image of a chicken walking across the road in cartoon form. Okay, so so you said that you started doing something with Dolly. So go ahead. Yeah. So and this is me. This is me personally. So again, everyone is is using both these things to improve their own delivery. So for me specifically in leadership meetings you want to keep them punchy and and you, and you want to keep them interesting and so one of the concepts i heard recently was uh, from a customer success point of view there can only be one angry man in a boat right so i was looking around i want i want to angry i said like, oh no let's just use dali so uh i got the team to go onto dali and go can you just get an angry man in a boat and it produced 10 and oh, i want it this way i want it this and we got the perfect angry man in a boat which allowed me to then tell this story about the angry man in the boat. Um, what's, what's the uh, story? Yeah. So, so I heard this recently, uh, and uh, it is it is from our our, our, our friend Alex from Ozzy, um, oh. and, and he was he was saying that um, there was a, a, this guy that was uh, was selling fur coats, and um, this lady walks in, and she she is a button. 
has broken off her fur coat. And fur coats are really expensive, right? And obviously, just all the stuff with fur coats. But anyway, mm-hmm. so the fur coats has a button. So she comes in, you know, obviously maybe a bit of a posh lady, right? And she's angry. I want to see, I want to see the owner. I want to see the owner. And so the boy, the guy who's dealing with this person is like, right, okay, well, I, I'll go get the owner for you. And the owner comes out and he tells him what's happening. And she goes, okay, the button's gone. And she, he comes out and he he goes, there can only be one, in his mind, there can only be one angry man. So he gets angry, right? And he's like, I don't believe it, right? I don't understand it. I don't understand how there could be a button broken. That's terrible. I can't understand. I'm going to get that fixed for you straight away. And because there can only be one angry man in the boat, she gets out of the boat and she's like, yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's just a button, right? No, no, it's a huge, I'm going to find out the guy that did this. It's going to be fine. We're going to make sure that so give me a coat. I'm going to get a fix for you right now. So anyway, gets a fix. And then the, the, the idea of the story is that if you essentially downplay someone's complaint, right, then they're going to get more and more vexed about it. Whereas if you come to their level and be like, yeah, no, that's terrible. Or we'll get a sort of you and you really just go over the top a little bit that way. There can only ever be one angry man about it. They'll feel vindicated and then that'll be the, the resolution of the problem. Um, so I thought it was a good story and I wanted to tell our team, but I wanted a picture of an angry man in a boat, <laughs> which is not hard. It's not that easy to get. That's awesome. That's amazing. Awesome. Do you have any, or do you have any, or did you have any fears around implementing new technologies? Yes, I have a fear about not implementing new technologies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, okay, hold great on. Great answer, such a great yes. answer. Uh, which is a lot of times quite the opposite of everyone else. So tell us why, like, give us your perspective on why. Well, so so ch- so I don't, like the chat GPT, for those who don't know, it's this kind of language AI model. And I think most people know at this stage, right? Uh, even, even my... 65 year old dad was playing it with it the other day and he was oh this thing is great <laughs> um but oh my do you know what my wife did to me the other day she what? said she she got she, she sent me a text message apology generated by chat gbt right and i was like oh thanks, thanks. i was like thanks for understanding like, i was like oh thanks for understanding and she was like that's from chat gbt i was like hmm. <laughs> uh so yeah my my worry is that obviously ChatGPT is version three and it's very very powerful it's already passed the bar it's passed chart and accountancy exams um it is at this version three so it's chat gbt three or whatever it is you know it's very powerful so it, it is just going to continue to get better it obviously dali um and G- and ChatGPT will, will merge into one and then the videos will wor- merge into one and it's going to get to the stage where you can just tell it to make this video doing this thing that, um, so that's kind of probably what's in version four, five, and six. And then, like, what does 10 and 11 and 12 look like? And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you, if you think about it, like, it's, it, it can replace so many different services um, that are, are there right now. And so my view is that most people, the companies in the, in the future that are going to be successful are companies that are leveraging the AI. Right. So you so you guys are experts at growth, right? And scale, yeah. building scale. Yeah. Right. But you're not contracts, right? So I'm contracts. So if you guys and so let's just say that AI amplifies everything, right? So if you have 
AI behind your business, amplified everything, right? And I have AI behind my business, amplifying everything. You're still going to, provided I have AI behind my business, you're still going to come to me to say, hey, do all my contract stuff. Because I have all the AI stuff in place. I've done all the quote. I know all the different ways of doing the things with AI to make it work. And you guys will be the same. Whereas, are you going to bother taking AI into your business to make to get it to do the contract stuff? No, you'd you'd buy the contract stuff off me to put into your business, right? So, and that's the the shift change. That's why I'm I, I think that you need to be on top of AI and working with it and moving forward rather than not making the change. That's my perspective. And the thing is, I thought AI was going to come in and replace like manual labor and stuff. But it's not. It's come in almost at the top and replacing like skills labor. Right. It's right now it's replacing copywriters. It's yep. replacing uh, you know, graphic designers. That's kind of where we are now. What's next? Well, awesome insights. Uh I love uh, I love the perspectives and the stories. Are there any other is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners before we sign off today? Yeah, sure. So if you, we got, we, we really only help companies that have revenue. It doesn't make, it doesn't make financial sense for you if you're below 5 million in, in revenue. Okay. So for those of you below 5 million in revenue, go to constructionsecrets.io and there's free training there. Loads of free stuff that you can just consume. Uh, Construction Secrets is, is, a, is, is my podcast where I essentially go through all of these little things. So just by listening, you're going to upskill yourself, right? So I go through problems that we have with our clients. And so slowly but surely, you'll you'll upskill yourself uh, in that way. And if you want to actually go and work with Quantum, go to quantumcontractsolutions.com. There's a case study on there. Check out the case studies of, of how, how it all works, how we've helped other people. And that's it. Two different ways. That's well, that's great. I've been listening to your podcast, by the way. I'm, I'm full on full on uh fan i said follow it on spotify whole thing so i've been really nerding out on it all right thanks justin i appreciate that <laughs> but we do have one last question for you for sure so we asked sure. all our guests if you could go back 20 years what would you tell yourself if i could go back 20 years yeah so i'd be 20 so i'd yeah, be 20 2003 i believe Old school maybe came out that year. I don't know if that means anything to you. <laughs> great, 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 great movie. Great movie. I mean, personally, I think I spent, I wish I had started this business journey sooner. I spent a lot of time. I mean, it, it, it it's hard to know, but I really enjoyed the business side of things. And I think I spent a lot of my 20s seeking experiences, which again, it's hard to know because I could be sitting here and you asked me that question, having not done what I did in my twenties and being like, Oh, I wish I had more experiences in my twenties. I just went straight into business. So I don't really know. Uh, but I think I would have liked to have started earlier. Like, I didn't really start all like this journey and that I really, really love until, until my thirties, until my like early thirties. And so if I had started in my twenties, I think I would have had more of a compounding effect and I would be further along than I am now. Um, but I, you can't be, you can't be sure. So what would I tell myself then? Um, yeah, maybe just, maybe just take it a little bit easier in your twenties. <laughs> <laughs> Those are stories for offline. I'm sure. <laughs> 
Awesome. We will drop in all your social links uh, for the podcast, for you, for LinkedIn, for Quantum, for all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that, that's all we got today. So to our listeners, uh, until next time, adios. Adios. See ya. Thanks for listening to Building Scale to help us reach even more people. Please share this episode with a friend, a colleague, or on social media. Remember, the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. And our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. So if you think your company's technology pillar could use some improvement, book a call with us to see how we can help maximize your IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. And until next time, keep keep building building scale. scale.